Hi, this is Bobby Kamari, and I want to thank you for listening to the Living in Light podcast, where we love to explore some of the incredible ways that God shows up with his love, light, and liberty in and through everyday people like you and me. Today, I am joined by my beautiful and brilliant friend, Diana Anderson, who lives all the way in sunny California. We're going to be chatting about sexuality and intimacy. And so if you've got young children around who don't yet have a biblical, healthy understanding of sexuality, this might be a podcast you'd rather listen to alone. I really hope you enjoy today's show. I've got my beautiful friend, Diana Anderson, joining me today, all the way from sunny California. I've known... Hello, hello. (laughs) I've known Diana for maybe about four years now, just this beautiful bundle of joy that showed up in the UK, literally just as this explosion of fun and laughter that came into our worlds. And since then, her and I have just enjoyed so much conversation and so much victory and so much joy together and she's definitely a big sister to me and I literally could have asked her to come onto the Living in Light podcast and talk about so many different things because she's so full of wisdom and so full of love and joy and maturity and creativity the list literally goes on and on and on but I've asked Diana to come on to talk about the topic of sexuality And the reason is that she is on her own journey as an individual, and it's such a beautiful journey. And I've been witness to it, and just seeing it unfold gives me so much joy and encouragement. And so I've invited her along to chat about that with me. So, yeah, say hello to Diana Anderson. Well, hello, everyone. Glad (laughs) to be here. Thanks, Bob, for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And I'm super, super excited about chatting. Um, I'm going to get you just to begin by sharing a little bit about who you are and what you do. Well, um, first and foremost, I'm a follower of Jesus. Um, Everything starts there. Everything ends there. Uh, In the midst of that, I get to be a wife. I've been married 25 years. Wow. Beautiful man. Um, I'm a mom of four, and my oldest is 23 and married, and my youngest uh, is in her second to last year of high school, and the other two are in university. Um, I am a worship pastor at my church, so I'm in charge of all of our worship arts, Um, I am a professional life coach and I ultimately am a freedom fighter. My is to see people free to be all that God designed them to be. Yeah, that's totally you, Diana. You are absolutely a freedom fighter. And that's definitely part of the reason that we're going to have this conversation because you literally not only fight for your own freedom, but you fight for the freedom of those around you and you do it with so much passion and you've got such a pastoral heart like you are just always looking out for everybody and I love that so yes that's super exciting um so yeah I'm going to get you to begin by talking a little bit about your upbringing but before we do that I was just reflecting as I was preparing earlier on today when we first met um not met when we first chatted about 
sexuality. Like, obviously, you knew that I was publishing a book and you'd been such a champion of the message and you've been such a champion of me. But I remember being in California a couple of years ago and you and I, we were just sitting on the beach and then we were just talking about sexuality. And you began to then share like some of your own story. And that really just touched me because, you know, you have got it all together and you are just so grounded and so mature and you know so victorious in the Lord and when you began to share some of your story with me like your upbringing and just some of the stuff that you had wrestled with it was such a a reminder that you know in the church like it doesn't matter how we may come across we 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 are whole and you know the Lord has liberated us but actually there are so many people who yet are wrestling through sexual history and are wanting God to come in and bring complete freedom in that area. And since then, you and I have really began to walk together with this particular message. And it's not simply just because you're championing me, but it's also because you do have your own story when it comes to sexuality. And so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to say that before I get you to talk about your upbringing. You know, the comment, you've got it all together. I kind of giggle because I don't think any of us have it all together. Sure, (laughs) yeah. We're definitely all on a journey to truly encounter and embody the freedom and the wholeness that Christ died to give us yeah, in every totally. of our lives. And I think that um, what I encountered so much in the church was that sex still had a shame label attached yeah. to it. Yeah. And as a result, so many people aren't getting free. And I was was definitely one of those people. Um, To go back just a bit, um, you know, growing up, uh, my parents, sex was never something that we ever discussed. Yeah. Um, It was, you know, the family joke was that my father never saw my mother uh, naked with the lights on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yet my dad had a ton of pornography stashed under the bed that I discovered at a very young age, probably around four years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that set me up really with that shame message of sex. It uh, colored the whole understanding of what my sexuality was, um, objectification of women, Um, just when you're that young and you encounter misrepresentations of the beauty of sex, it, it really messes with your brain. It really, like I said, it just, it sets you up for dysfunction. Yeah. 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 Um, growing up with a bunch of girlfriends, there was a lot of kind of playful experimentation and, and, and just not really having any sense of what was right, but always knowing it was wrong. Yeah. But not really understanding, not having anywhere safe to go with any of it. Yeah. Not having anyone to talk to about it, not having any place where any positive messages were being given. Yep. Yeah. So I, I grew up with that. It led into um, losing my virginity in high school. Um, and 
again, none of it was ever joyful. Uh, any pleasure that was found in it for me always had a sense of shame attached. Yeah. yeah. I did grow up in a religious household. I hadn't yet come into a personal relationship with Christ, but I did have a, a moral compass um, and a what was right and what was wrong. And I was told that sex was, you know, for marriage, but it wasn't what I was seeing in movies. It wasn't what I was hearing in songs. Um, it wasn't what I was watching around me. So there was quite a struggle internally. Yeah. 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 Life, um, on into college. And then right after college, I gave my life to the Lord. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ and, not only was it conceptually real for, but he became experientially real to me and the word of God, um, just came to life and everything I read, I'm like, this is true. This is true. Yeah. And so now I'm, um, walking out that life as a Christian, as a Christ follower. And, um, met a guy that was just sweet and adorable and completely the opposite of the guys I had pursued prior yeah, yeah. to giving life to the Lord. I was always after the, the dashing guy, the, um, the dangerous guy, the exciting guy. And, yeah. you know, those all ended a mess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, um, I meet this guy and he is just the epitome of kindness and sweetness. And the thought came to me that I'm sure was probably the Lord that what if we changed the pattern? What if we didn't go after daring and dangerous and super cool? What if yeah. we went after kindness and goodness? Yeah. And so, um, that was a four year relationship of not a relationship. <laughs> yeah. I, I was very intently pursuing him, but he had made a commitment to not just date, um, but to really seek the Lord for who his spouse would be. Yeah. Um, with his history, he, in coming to the Lord, he wanted to make sure that he um, did not give his heart lightly and that he truly only gave it to one he felt he was called to be married to. Yeah. Um, being new in my faith, I was like, oh, well, we'll fix that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was actually four years of developing friendship and with his arm extended of I will go no further which, you know, took a lot of strength on his part. It wasn't perfect in any way, shape, or form. We both had, you know, immaturity and, and things we had to deal with. But eventually, it, we did end up getting married. And I can honestly say I married my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was cool. But, but the difficult thing was that I encountered was that I had gone from um, – having a, a sexual past to now choosing not to engage prior to marriage. Um, I had even gone to different seminars and had prayer 
um, for healing of um, just the bonds that were formed with past relationships. But when I got to marriage, um, when it came to even my wedding night, I, I ran into this wall of shame where I still, I knew it was right. I had a ring on my finger. So contextually it was right. Yeah. It was right. But there was still a lot of shame attached to it that made, um, intimacy. I won't even say sex. I'll say intimacy with my husband strained. Yep. Where I was wrestling for a long time with allowing myself to be free to now enjoy what was legal, uh, what was legal according to my faith system and, um, which should have been right for all intents and purposes is, um, in my belief system, sex is, um, was created by God to be held in covenant where you are committed solely to one another. And so it therefore has its own built-in sense of safety. And within that context of safety should have ultimate freedom of enjoyment. But because I had violated that covenant prior to marriage, it wasn't just a mental exercise for me. There's still Mm -hmm. a lot um, to it that kind of had me tied up where... Um, in, in faith, I stepped into it and pursued it with my husband as the good, dutiful wife. Um, but in terms of freedom and enjoyment and that romantic feeling, which was all there prior to my wedding night, that romantic feeling, that, that fullness that you see, that excitement, all that energy, all those hormones that you see in the movies. I was feeling all of that. But when I found myself on my wedding night, that shaking came in like a tidal wave. I think that is unfortunately a massive place of dysfunction in the body of Christ. And I really do pray that that's something that changes and it will change. I'm so sure it will change, but there is this place where obviously because sexuality isn't really talked about and it's not just sex. I mean, sexuality isn't talked about. It's, it's like, um, sex is something you only do in marriage. And so no one really discusses what you're meant to do as a sexual being if you're not in marriage. And then if you don't have an understanding of what sexuality for you should be like as a healthy, holy individual, then when you then go into marriage, you can't have great marital sex because you haven't yet learned how to celebrate and completely walk in a sexuality that is free. It is holy. It is pure. Um, but it's it's rooted in what Jesus has done for us and the fact that we're an image bearer of Christ, if you don't have those things in place, then when you do step into marriage, yes, yes, it's the framework that you are meant to have when you then do begin to have sex, to be in a covenant relationship. But if you associate sex with shame or, you know, you've not had the freedom to talk about it, and although you're allowed to now have sex, you don't actually know how to be free. So 
you are such a, an example of what often happens in church where, yes, you refrain from um, counterfeit intimacy, but you become paralyzed to actually enjoy true intimacy because right. of the dysfunction. And so I think what you shared really is a prime example. Did you even know at the time that the stuff that you and your hubby might have been wrestling with when it came to intimacy, that it was rooted in your history or what did you put it down to? Well, I knew, you know, I grew up again, I grew up in a household where sex was never something celebrated. It was yeah. never something to even um, aspire to. Yeah. So it was always the naughty thing that people did. Um, it was not something that um, m- my mother ever gave the impression of celebrating. And, sure. and she, she had a, she had a very abusive past. And yeah. so, it was totally understandable um, that her outlook on it was what it was, which is, you know, all the more reason for us to always get as much healing as possible because we will, <laughs> we will pass on our brokenness. Yeah, if totally. We, we don't bring it all to the Lord. Yeah. So, um, so I knew that it was a wrestle, but I was a good wife and I was yeah. going to show up and I was going to bless my husband and I was going to do what I was supposed to do um, for the sake of being the good wife. Also, Diane, I think because you and your husband have such an amazing marriage and like you said, you married your best friend. So the fact that you both enjoy such a beautiful relationship actually I guess to a certain extent, the spotlight didn't really need to be on the bedroom because right. you guys were able to make it work so beautifully in all the other areas. And, and obviously, as time went on, you know, the dysfunction in intimacy does end up um, being it something increases. that you have to. Yeah. But but actually for a very, very long time. And, and, I, and I believe what has really sustained you and your hubby is the fact that you have such a beautiful relationship, which is built on emotional intimacy. It's built on, you know, relational intimacy and all those other wonderful attributes that actually strengthen a marriage. So you probably had so many other things that you both were focusing on that it was probably the elephant in the room that you didn't really need to even address. Yeah. And also once you start having kids, yeah, um, it just takes up so much of your brain space, your margin. You are just trying to get these little ones fed, clothed, dressed, um, learn manners, yeah. you know, general kindness. This is Jesus. Yeah. Uh, this is how you treat your sibling. Yeah. Um, let's get through school. Now we're navigating your friendships. Now we're getting navigating, um, you know, so much of their lives that it actually, um, it becomes all consuming. Yeah. And it becomes very easy to just tuck away the things that working for the sake of plotting on. Yeah. Um, and so what was really funny for us is, what actually brought us back to dealing with sex within our marriage 
was um, our third kid. Um, our first two were kind of slow on the development. Um, they were late bloomers. Yeah. And, and so the, the compelling need to talk about sex wasn't so present. Yeah. And, um, and just a side note, you know, we had a, a big community cause we homeschooled our kids. Yeah. Um, and, and so we had a, a very large support community, a group of friends that we all raised our children with, and no one was talking about this. And even in talking with friends about sex, no one was celebrating it. Everyone yeah. was getting through it. Um, and again, largely that's in part to, we were all in the raising young children phase and, and you're just happy to fall into bed at the end of the day. And if your husband isn't, then you just check that one off and then fall yeah. asleep. Wow. Yeah. And so, um, but so now we come to my, my third kid and, um, he went through puberty earlier than his brothers and his just awareness of the opposite sex was yeah. so much more prevalent. And we're like, okay, we need better tools. Yeah. We need to be able to address this well. Um, and we need to start now. We need to not wait. And so, uh, we just started looking for what was out there. And at the time, thankfully, um, Chris Vallotton had started a ministry at Bethel Church in yeah. California called Moral Revolution. Yeah. And he had written a book uh, called Moral Revolution. And it was super helpful because I think it was the first tool that was out there um, in this era, in the millennium, um, for the church of addressing sexuality and the wholeness of yep. sexuality and the beauty of sexuality. Yeah. yeah. But again, I felt it was written more towards your young adult culture. Yeah. And it, um, though it addressed all aspects of it and the importance of bringing up to children at a young age, it still wasn't, um, really laying it out of how to raise your children that way. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a step closer. Um, but it's still, we still needed more. And then, um, Havila Cunnington, she ran the moral revolution for Chris for a number of years. She's another speaker out of Bethel. Yeah. Um, she eventually wrote a book called, uh, the naked truth about sexuality mm -hmm. yeah. and, um, good and even better. Yeah. Um, and, and so I was, I was very grateful for these tools, but our way of handling it was giving it to our, our teenage boys and our early 20 boys and going here, read this and we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. And yeah. To, um, just being, making it part of our culture, but we, but we recognized the need to, so we started, you know, with the awkwardness of here, read it. And it was hit and miss. Our kids read some, didn't read, you know, all of it. And, and we were still dealing with just the awkwardness aspect. And so Diana, just, can I just jump in just on that awkwardness aspect? Like, so when you were raising the children, like, I mean, your whole family is very, very tactile, you know, there is so much love in the room when you guys are together, like it's so beautiful. So that 
positive example of intimacy and role modeling intimacy was really strong in your family. So the children had a healthy understanding of intimacy in general, right? But the awkwardness came when it came to actually talking about sexuality itself. Yeah, because I was fully aware that I did not want to raise my children the way I had been raised. Sure. So we were very um, physical. My husband and I, we're always, you know, he's always rubbing my shoulders. We're always yeah. hugging, we're always cuddling yeah. on the couch. We're very physical in front of our children in that way. Not in an inordinate way, but just... yeah. We made every intention of making sure they knew mom and dad love each other. Physical touch is part of that. We're very tactile with our kids, hugging our kids all the time. Um, And so even though, yeah, like you said, we weren't discussing sex. We were presenting um, a wholeness with regards to physical touch. Yes. Yeah. And and I guess just um even because for so many people the the brokenness and and the um navigation through sexuality is often rooted in how we're made to feel about ourselves and you know whether we feel valuable in the home and affirmed and um you know just celebrated and again your family is such a beautiful example of what it means to edify and build one another up as a lifestyle and value one another and so the beautiful thing is actually they have all all of that in place simply because of the family dynamics and the way that you both have raised the kids Um, and that's fundamental to them celebrating their sexuality anyway so so both of you had actually done the groundwork in such a glorious way in the first place well thank you so (laughs) yeah so then when we got to it it was like okay we need to just start talking about this yeah we need to, we need to just, it needs to be dinner conversation. Um, because that's, we, we try to make sure we have dinner as a family at yeah. least four or five nights a week. Uh, that was something that we learned early on, um, from another family ministry. It's the, one of the most precious times and valuable times with your kids is at the dinner table and how, um, Children who are raised having family dinners at least four nights a week are less likely to um, go off into aberrant experimentation. Sure, yeah, whatever, wow. way, sex, drugs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so we made that decision early on to be together at dinner uh, at least four nights a week, five if possible. And so that's when we touch base. How are you? How was your day? What's going on? And, and so we just began to start incorporating sex into that conversation. And at first it was a little awkward and and funny. And (laughs) we just said, look, we are going here. This major, this is huge. Um, We apologize. We're like, guys, we are sorry that we didn't have the tools to start this earlier with you. And so it's going to be awkward, but no one's leaving. We're going <laughs> to. Yes. And, and so we did. We just started having the awkward conversations and talking about it and talking about how we see our bodies and talking about the changes and how it impacts others. And 
how it impacts us and hormones and just that awakening. And we just made sure that with every conversation, we highlighted that this is the beauty of God yeah. you, that you have been designed this way in his beauty, because until that point, it was all, it's a great thing. It's a beautiful thing yeah. for marriage. Don't give it away. Yes. And so, but that wasn't enough. Yeah. It wasn't enough. And so we really had to begin pursuing all of this. And, and I realized the importance of it and my friends started recognizing it and seeing it. Um, so then I became, we became the sex family. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> and, well, Miss Di, she's the one you can talk to about sex. Yeah. And I actually even brought a class um, to our co-op because uh, we all taught all the all the moms for the teachers within our homeschooling group, and I brought a class on sex and sexuality to the kids ages twelve and up, and yeah. um, because it actually became a passion for me to not want to see any of them have to go through the pain of not knowing. Yeah. And, um, and I'm an equipper. I love to, to get people to the place of in my pastoral counseling, in my life coaching, in my being a mom, being a friend, my greatest desire is to help people uncover what is weighing them down yeah, and help them unpack that to come into the freedom that Christ has given them so that they can fly, so they can soar, and so they can take as many with them as possible. That's so good, Diana, because that's definitely what I've seen. I mean, I see it in you, you know, in, in so many different areas, but I definitely, with the message of sacred sexuality, the way you have championed it has just been so encouraging, like promoting the book, promoting the ministry. And when I came over last year, like you and your hubby, making sure there was like a conference, making sure that the young people came you know the amount of emails that you sent out I mean you went all out because you are so hungry to see the people around you set free like I've been blown away um just seeing the lengths that you will go to to have people around you set free and you don't just you know ride on the wave of something and you're like oh I've done that that's my support like you're still ordering my books. You're still, you know, sharing <laughs> the message. I should be of 15 or 20 if I can. Yeah, but it's not a passing fad for you. It's not just you supporting a friend. Like you literally, this is a message that's close to your heart and you're, you're walking through it yourself. And not only are you wanting to see yourself fully come into liberation, but you are truly wanting your family and then this generation and then the children's children to come into such wholeness so yeah I just love the way that you do equip and that you do go after things and you facilitate and you're a midwife and you help birth you know well and and your book Bobby your book of sacred sexuality was again it was a leap for us it was a it was a jump because it was so much of what we were looking for and hadn't yet found in some of the other tools that were here, we found in your book, we found in your story, in your telling, in you just gave such a powerful, meaningful, beautiful picture that got 
really, you know, if I can use the colloquialism, it got down and dirty. It got yeah. into the nitty gritty of um, of all of it, of not just God's intention for sex, um, the beauty and the wholeness of of how it is an integral part of us, and we really can't separate ourselves from it, and how um, with Christ coming into the fullness, breaking down um, all the hormone engagements and the, the physiological aspects of it. I mean, it is such a thorough treatise on the wholeness of sexuality that it put in our hands, it awakened in us, it convicted us and awakened in us the need to go deeper, even in our own marriage, even wow. in our marital intimacy, in our own bedroom. Um, it gave us talking points for areas where we were struggling. It mm -hmm. gave us, um, it provided a, um, it was like, a, it was like our own personal counselor, your book. Wow. Well, to take it with us, to read it together, to read it apart, and then to come together and say, let's talk about this section and let's, let's pray together now through these things. Let's talk about where we're struggling. Let's talk about old mindsets. Oh, I got so convicted that I was bringing this to the bedroom. Wow. And repent and I need to ask your forgiveness. Um, you know, both of us being able to come in that way, it, it just began to unlock at the same time as our hearts were to, our hearts were to see our children come into wholeness in it. We were being brought into wholeness and your book was, was instrumental in that. It was pivotal. Wow. Ah, which thank is you. Buy it. Thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. That just blesses my socks off. It really, really, really does. Honestly, thank you so much. And I, I and he has given me the deepest joy and the deepest encouragement to actually see the outworking of that in your lives, you know. Um, because I, I always say with the book that you have to invest yourself in it. It's not like by no means is sacred sexuality light reading you know it's not something that you could just be like oh you know I'll just read it on the train while I'm going to so and so it like it actually takes a heart and soul engagement for you to fully step into what I believe the Lord has placed in that book and what I saw in you and what I saw in both you and your husband was a commitment to receive the fullness of what was available through that book and I've seen the fruit of it in both of your lives and and the beautiful thing is I've seen the fruit of it in your family and not just in your family but in the the ripple effect that your life creates because of the convictions that you carry so it brings me so much joy and deep encouragement to know that the book has been a game changer because that's why I wrote it so praise the yeah. Lord for that well and, and any act of freedom requires sweat. Yeah. Requires investment. God is the one who brings freedom, but we have to partner. Yes. Yeah. We have to go in. And so often when you run into your dysfunction, it's scary. Yeah. Um, it's like um, a, a, uh, an example I was given early on in a, in a ministry I went to a long time ago called Cleansing Stream. They said, you know, if we have something going on in our life that's unhealthy and we don't address it, it's akin to having dinner 
And once dinner's over, you take your plates and rather than scraping them in the rubbish bin, you scrape them in the corner. And then you wash the plate and you dry the plate and you you set it in the cupboard or you you place it back, you know, on the table and the plate is clean. But over time, you keep um, scraping those plates in the corner. That pile is going to not only grow, but it's going to begin to reek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and if I come over to your house and you say, hi, and your house is in perfect order, but you open that door and you haven't dealt with that pile, yeah. I'm going to encounter the smell of that pile the minute yeah. I come in. It's yeah. going to hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'm going to go, whoa, what? is happening yeah well no no everything's fine it's like no no something's not fine and the process of healing especially with the beauty of holy spirit and and good friends good counselors is that he leads us to that pile and he says okay let's address this go get a shovel yeah and and the the biggest problem is the minute you begin to trouble that pile it's going to smell worse. Yeah. <laughs> and often where people back up, they're like, whoa, whoa, more pain, more yeah. scary. No, 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 no. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. But the truth of the matter is, is that pile will eventually consume us and kill us. Yeah. And at the very least, it will continue to weigh us down from living in absolute freedom and the beautiful design we yeah. were created. Yeah, that's good. So that book's my shovel. <laughs> yeah, I love that. So good. And, you know, you said that um, often it gets worse before it gets better. So for you, when you began to address some of your history and allow God to begin to come in and uh, minister to those places of brokenness when it came to sexuality, what did that look like for you? Like what, what have some of the wrestles been? And obviously you're on a journey now where you know, you're taking each day as it comes and there is step-by-step breakthrough and you're just letting the wholeness just unfold. But what are some of the wrestles that you you faced when you were trying to address the sexual dysfunction that your history had presented? Um, what were some of the things that you came up against? Well, so I started dealing with them prior to marriage because yeah. I wanted to go into my marriage clean and free. Um, so I, I did. I, I I prayed and repented of past sexual relations I had been in, and I asked the Lord to come in and heal those places. But what I didn't address was the wounding from my childhood yep. um, that I had carried all along, and that came with me into my marriage. So um, I was able to soldier up and be a good wife um, for a good long time. But there was no freedom in it. And so when, you know, for us, the the biggest conviction, and and Hubby was happy. He thought everything was fine. Yeah. Um, But then he read your book, and he's like, (laughs) (laughs) wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, there's way more to this than we're encountering. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, there is. And so that began that began a dialogue between us of the places where I was still hiding my pile in the corner Um, the places where I still felt broken and I was masking it 
And, you know, you think, but you guys were so intimate and you were such close friends. But again, in the, the time of raising children, um, it just, it's easy to be distracted by yeah. the tyranny of the urgent and of the just getting through the day and, okay, let's be together and now let's just crash and fall asleep because yeah. we're absolutely exhausted. Um, and so we were able to to go along with good enough. So yeah. so coming into that, um, we began to, you know, start having dialogue. And it brought up a lot of pain because there's a sense of betrayal when you find that the person you feel the most intimate with is holding something back from you. Yeah. And we had to address that. And again, you know, I adore this man. Um, and so when things would get rough and I would want to pull back, I would just remind myself, I really like this person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and that's so vital in marriage and I don't want to, um, you know, get off on a side rail, but so often we forget, especially in the child rearing age, uh, uh, season, to value the friendship yes of the one we're married to um that it is because a lot of people go well i love them but a lot of dysfunction happens under the guise of i love them yeah but do you actually like like that? them yeah do you like your kids do you like yourself because lord knows that's where we actually have to start <laughs> yeah but um so that was that was always a place that kept bringing me back to staying engaged and not completely disconnecting. Um, was by God's grace, I would remember. I like this man. I like him a whole lot. He's worth the investment. Um, and whenever I was disconnecting, because of all the work I've done as a counselor and coach, mm -hmm. I recognize that. Okay. I'm disconnecting from myself. I am not liking myself right now. And it is very difficult for me to like others if I am not liking myself. Yeah. And, and, and encompassed in that is loving myself, but you cannot love yourself if you don't even like yourself. Yeah. And yeah. so I knew all along the way that I had to keep doing my work. Um, investing in pressing into my intimacy with the Lord, because if I couldn't be intimate with myself, there was yeah, no, exactly. I was yeah. with my husband or with my kids. And so yeah. that, that is at the core of everything. Yeah. It's, I've got to do the work of receiving love for myself. Yeah. That love that's unconditional. And so anytime I begin to become disconnected, it begins to reflect out. You talk about the ripples. It does. It, it begins to reflect out um, where maybe I can be super intimate with my girlfriends, yeah. but I'm feeling estranged from my husband. And that's because my girlfriends don't require the intimacy that my husband sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's easy to focus on that and not focus on the other. But again, that's dysfunction. Yeah. I am, I'm band-aiding, I'm supplementing what needs to be my core place of intimacy. And it always was, yeah. it, it always goes past my husband. It goes back to my walk with the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. 
it's just an indicator. If I'm not being intimate with my husband, there's an indication that there's something I'm keeping back from Jesus. Yeah, totally. Just in terms of that, like practically, because obviously before you've had the revelation or or you went through just that awakening where you were like, oh my gosh, I actually want everything God has for me, for me and my marriage, me and my children. Before that, you would obviously carry out your duty as as a wife and make sure that your husband was fully satisfied sexually in that way. But now that you really want the fullness of intimacy and the beauty and all the joy and, and the connection that comes with it, so that it's not simply just you serving him. What does that look like for you practically now? Now knowing that actually you you want to have that mutual connection and you want to be fully engaged and fully invested, what does that look like practically in terms of juggling life and, and staying present? How has that changed from before the awakening to now? What are some of the practical things that you make sure you're doing so that you are fully present in in that area of intimacy? Well, it's definitely moved up on my to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Where where before it was like last on the list and, oh, maybe we'll fall asleep before I have to get to this one. You know, it's definitely moved up on my list of intentionality. Um, in the places where it was still difficult and scary for me, the thing that that helped really was my love for my husband. Yeah. Um, and understanding that, you know, this really isn't what I've been led to believe it, it, with regards to the shame and, and all of that. And, and you can think that theoretically, but it's still a physiological response. Yes. And so encouraging myself, praying, talking to Jesus about it, talking to my husband about it, just really putting it out there, um, having dialogue, being able to talk to my husband and go, you know, I need to have the freedom to go, I can't right now, yeah. or really don't want to right now. Yeah. And, and him being able to have the freedom of going, got that, understand, let's not make that a week, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And just having honest conversation, really. And then him being able to do his work and going back and looking at the places where um, he was operating in any sort of dysfunction and wrong thinking. um, And his willingness to be vulnerable and his willingness to not just go, well, the Bible says it's good. And so I, you know, you need to be okay with it because of this. I mean, he was never domineering in that way. But yeah. Um, and I recognize that some couples wrestle with all different kinds. Everyone's got different personality mixes. Everyone's got different, um, you know, woundings and bondage they're bringing into it. But the truth of the matter was that when both of us were able to just become completely honest, the intimacy increases exponentially. Yes. And yeah. so it's probably the single most... Um, influential game changer was to be a hundred percent honest with where we were, each of us, and to recognize that we both have needs that only the other one could meet. For me, it was I needed understanding, but I couldn't get understanding if I wasn't disclosing yep. what was happening. So, and he needed to feel, um, appreciated and that yep. his 
desired him. It was a huge hit to him to not feel desired by his wife. Men are so wired. Yes. They come off as the, you know, the initiator and I don't want to use the word aggressor, but, but, but the initiator, um, and just the one that there's so Pursues. much, yeah, the pursuer and, yeah. and so much more sexually driven than women generally, but it is a real hit to them to not feel desired yes. by their wife and it, yeah. and it takes them down and it hits them at their core level of identity. Yeah. And, and so you know, for me, I needed him to be a safe place of grace and understanding and protection. And for him, he needed me to be a place of desire and encouragement and wanting him and saying, yes, you are all fully male. And that's beautifully yes. celebrating. Yeah. And so, so we had what we called the crazy cycle where he was needing that from me and I needed him to feel safe, not more of a pursuer. And, yes. you know, it was, so it just, it kept our crazy cycle going until we just got honest. And I, and I think also, Diane, I think the crucial thing is also that you two are, are wired quite differently in terms of what you like to do and the things that set both of your hearts on fire. You know, they, they're quite different from one another. And so it has to be an intentional thing to really affirm one another and to really be able to show each other that, no, I've seen you and I value you and I value the things that you love and I value the things that you want to do because, you know, those places of affirmation that can be found in similarities they're not necessarily there for you and your husband and so it really has to be intentional where you begin to really value one another and say no I think you're amazing and I think the way that you're wired is amazing because in the busyness of life in the busyness of ministry if you're not able to affirm your spouse and if you're not able to really validate one another lies can creep in where you do begin to question your your worth to one another yes and it just and it creates distance and distance yeah. is the exact opposite of intimacy yeah and and you said being seen and it's really how does this person feel seen because the minute you feel seen you feel safe yeah and once you're safe you open up yes it's yeah. like a flower turning towards the sunlight. Yeah. And and so for both of us, as we began to, you know, venture into this, we need to really change our intimacy. We really need to, we need to come up. We need to get better in this. Yes, <laughs> yeah. And, and that became the impetus was being seen. Um, once I felt heard, it's like yeah. my opened it got safe and I got a lot more free yeah immediately it was so funny because we would never argue both of us yeah. were very <laughs> yeah. you know man-pleasing personalities appeasing personalities yes. and yes. so we never argue I would just suck it up well it must just be me I'm just gonna have to deal with the word I'm just gonna have to suck it up and yeah. he would just like well I don't know what to do about that so I'm just gonna move on but once we started getting very honest, it became actually, <laughs> it, it became very alluring to me. He became alluring to me that I was able to actually say things that yes. weren't yeah. uh, safe. 
yeah. it's like, I just need you to hear that <laughs> in pain or I'm mad or I'm this. Yeah. And he's like, why do you want to have sex after we've argued? I'm like, because we were honest and I feel yeah. so seen. Yes. And he's like, this is going to take me a while. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's so good. Because it, like, I think when you've, when you've put one another in a box, um, it's hard to then see the fullness of who each other is. But because you are now in this new place of being much more honest in that area, the scope of who you really are and getting a revelation of that and actually seeing that in one another, like the scope is endless of your authentic selves now coming to the surface and you being able to tap into sides of each other that were actually previously hidden because of this expectation um, that you both had of one another or false expectation or this box that you may have put one another in. Um, But now the lids come off and there's a lot more road to travel that you guys haven't traveled before, which is super exciting. And it's, and and we're looking at it with joyful anticipation and, and, and growing in it because the word that came to me as you were talking, Bob's is vulnerability. Yeah vulnerability begets intimacy yes, and that's what you have absolutely. to be careful whom we're vulnerable with because yeah. we can form um, totally. attachments yes. because we'll yeah. be vulnerable with someone outside of our marriage commitment and they'll feel vulnerable with us and that forms a bond very yes, quickly absolutely and yeah so, so we have to really be careful who we're vulnerable with whom we're vulnerable yeah and, but to to get honest, to come to a place because we loved each other, we really want to work through this. So we had to do our own work. It's like, how am I showing up in a way that doesn't allow you to feel safe to also show up? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. And I, and I think earlier on, just something that you said about, you know, the, the actual act of physical intimacy, like it, it moved up on your list, like you and your hubby chose to make it a priority. Um, and And I think one of the unfortunate issues with our lives and our everyday routine and just everything else potentially being more important, we we do end up leaving sexual intimacy as the last thing on the list, you know, as the as the thing that actually has the potential to bring the highest satisfaction, we end up leaving it to the lowest spot. And the fact that you two have made an intentional effort to say no, it has got value because if we are not sexually intimate and if we are not connecting, like really connecting, then our entire family um, is going to face the repercussions. Yeah. Yes. And I, and I, I just love that, um, that you two are actually aware of that. And, and I also think like when, when you were talking about the fact that you both were raising kids and so things were going on and, you know, you didn't really need to address the lack of true intimacy. But I think also one of the things is, um, just keeping up appearances where you, you aren't vulnerable. You're not vulnerable in front of people. You're not vulnerable in front of your community. You're not vulnerable in front of one another because you're just keeping up appearances. But when you stop trying to perform and you're just real and you say, okay, I am wrestling and you are then vulnerable. And like you said, that then invites intimacy. So I think the fact that both of you stopped keeping up any type of appearances and it was like, okay, this is actually what we're wrestling with. Let's address it, which then 
open the door to vulnerability, which then open the door to a greater level of intimacy. Mm-hmm. You know? And it, it does. It, it, it is having beautiful ramifications in our family, in talking with our kids about it, getting real. Um, you know, what we found a lot was a lot of our friends had issues prior to getting married and, and sexual issues yeah. um, that they didn't share with their kids. And yes. their kids were assuming, well, my parents are fine and they don't struggle. They don't wrestle. And yeah. so there was, and, and so then they end up getting into sexual dysfunction because they haven't had these conversations yeah. of no, no, I have wrestled and yes. these choices, look how these choices have affected me my whole life. Now God is able to come in and redeem and heal, but you need to know there was a heat mess of pain there Yep, because I had made those choices, but they weren't getting those conversations. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and so the fallout was real. You can't just keep quiet. Yep. It doesn't work. It yeah. does work. It's good to lay a foundation of, healthy intimacy, but it's not enough. Yes, absolutely. They've got to hear the good, the bad, and the ugly, but all encased in the beautiful story that God intends. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you've been so pivotal, Diana, in kind of fostering that in, in your sphere of influence, in your local community. And just when I was there, Last year, just being able to see the fruit of that, being able to see so many um, precious ones that you're connected to, like seeing them get set free, seeing them have that revelation of um, being wired for intimacy by a good God, you know, who actually wants us all to walk in wholeness and wants us to celebrate our sexuality and wants us to have great intimacy, not just with our spouse, not just with God, but with everyone around us. Like just that, that awakening for the community around you, you know, you've been really, really pivotal. You and your hubby have been really pivotal in wanting to bring that message with so much freedom and so much honor and love and celebration and literally enveloped by the love of God. Um, so I don't even know what's going to happen, um, you know, as the months go on, even in your own family, even in your own marriage, but I don't know what beautiful things are going to Uh Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, just we, I don't even, can't even imagine what's going to break out in your community um, because you and your hubby are so passionate about this message. So watch this space. We'll have to have another podcast to talk about it. Absolutely. And you know, anyone here in the US listening to this podcast, Bobby does come to America and (laughs) (laughs) you, I would recommend get her book. I would recommend. Um, book her out for a seminar. She did two at our church. She did one with just our young adults that was amazing and hilarious <laughs> and just so freeing and so fabulous. And then she did another one that was more church wide. And it was so great. And it started so many more conversations. And it was by no means enough. It just cracked the door open. Wow. Um, but it really is so vital. I mean, as the church, as the body of Christ, we should be the ones touting this message about Absolutely. Hope. Yeah. Um, yeah. That there's freedom in this and beauty yes. in this and love and amazement. And it's the divine design. Um, 
and it and it does it impacts everything in our world in our culture and so i am a purporter and if anyone needs to know how to get a hold of bobby go to <laughs> diana you are forever Championing, and I really appreciate it honestly. And thank you so much for chatting to me. Thank you, thank you, thank you for just being such such a gem and always wanting to equip and always wanting to pour out. I'm going to get you actually to pray for people that are in a space of influence, whether it's um, leaders in their own home, whether it's leaders in the community. Um, just your heart for for the message of true intimacy to become substance pray for for those that in similar positions to you absolutely um father thank you so much so much for freedom yeah amen. Uh, it is for freedom that you came jesus to set us free you say don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage yeah <clears throat> excuse me and i i love your freedom and yeah. i thank you for your freedom and i thank you that Bobby is a freedom fighter, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That her heart is to see captives set free in every sphere of their lives. And Lord, I thank you that this message is so powerful and so important. And it's why it's so perverted and so railed against, because God yeah. is a key to our divine nature. It is a key to the beauty of God, um, resident in every human being god yeah. and so i pray for this message to go forward um unadulterated in in its purest form in the beauty and the power that it possesses and lord i pray for the courage and i pray for the love and acceptance to come to those who are also influencers particularly in the church but outside of the church as well god yeah. to lay hold of this message and to encounter their own freedom yes. that this would then also begin to carry the banner <clears throat> excuse me of freedom in yeah. in in intimacy and in, in the sacredness of sexuality lord it is a holy thing it is a beautiful powerful thing god yeah. And it's your heart that we would be free, that we would carry the beauty of Christ in mm -hmm. intimacy with you, with ourselves, with our spouses, with our families, with our communities, within the body of Christ, outside of the body of Christ, to this world that is so sexually dysfunctional, so, yeah. so pulling themselves apart at the seams. Yes. Seems who they are and that they're okay god when they're not mm -hmm. and we just we bless this message to go forward and to yeah. set others free in every way possible i pray for courage i yes. pray for courage and faith and for love love and more love in <laughs> jesus name amen Amen. Amen. Oh my gosh, so good. Diana, thank you so much, honestly. Um, if anyone wanted to get in touch with you just about this podcast or just connect with you, is there an email address um, people can use or maybe follow you on Insta? Um, the easiest way to get me is through my email and it's dianaanderson at jubileechurch.org. And Diana has one N, D-I-A-N-A, -A Anderson, A-N-D-E-R-S-O-N, 
at jubileechurch.org. Awesome. And uh, I usually respond within 24 hours. Fabulous. Awesome. Thank you so much, beautiful one. I thank you, thank you, thank you. Anytime I get to have with you, Bobby. Thank you so much. <laughs> awesome, darling. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. I hope it blessed your socks off. All social media handles and links from today's episode can be found in the notes section. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share. You are most welcome to subscribe to the Living in Light podcast. If you'd like to get in touch, you can do that via Instagram or Facebook, or you can head over to livinginlight.co.uk. I cannot wait to be with you guys again. And thank you so much for listening to the Living in Light podcast. Because you're beautiful, so beautiful, so beautiful.